28. And I got in such a hurry, I ran right out and forgot my glasses. <laughs> After this, Jesus, knowing what all things, that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. I thirst. Here, our Lord and our Savior was in a bad predicament. He had been beaten so that his eyes were swollen, his jaws and his cheeks were swollen. I can imagine his lips were burst open. I can imagine he even has cuts in his chin. They seemed like they didn't care who it was. They just didn't care. All the things that Jesus had done since he came down through 40 and two generations, laid in a manger and, had, had, and laid, laid in a manger, had swaddling clothes, and when he became a man, he went about preaching and teaching the word of God. The Bible said that he healed the sick. Healed a man that was blind from birth, which they said had never been done. They said that he raised Lazarus from the grave. Jesus was showing all kinds of mercy and all kinds of love. And as he traveled to and fro throughout the cities and the towns, there were many that came to him running and asking him to heal them. And Jesus didn't look down upon anyone. He didn't care about what your stature was in life. If you needed his help, he was there to help you. But now he is in between two thieves. And the ones that were standing around him, they were afraid. And all of the people that was mocking him, if you be the Christ, come down and save yourself. then we will believe. But they failed to recognize that even if he had a came down, they still would have went to hell. <laughs> Jesus stayed there, and all of these people standing around, nobody had passion, compassion for him. And those that had compassion had been bullied into keeping their mouths shut. That's the way the devil is. If he knows that there's someone around you that care, he put out the word. If you say anything, you may wind up in the shape that he's in. Those that loved him just stood there weeping. 
Jesus just hung there silently. Jesus could have spoken, believe me, he had the right to speak if he so wanted to. But because of the reason he came, he came down through generation that the word of God might be fulfilled. When he said, I thirst, he was making sure that the scripture was being fulfilled. Everything God told him to do, it was his job to do it, and he got it done. Can you say that you have done all that God told you to do? Sometime we can be standing right at the door, and for whatever reason, the devil whispered in our ear, and we'll turn around and go the other way. But Jesus stood his ground. Even though he was beaten and hair torn from his head, his lips bleeding, body sore, but yet and still he was hung there. I don't know if any of you have ever fallen and hit your ribs up have hit your legs on something and you got to stand for a while. You understand what it means to be in pain. But Jesus stood right there. He, he hung right there and didn't say a word. But all that God told him to do, even though he was suffering, he put aside what he was going through with in order to carry out the word of God. Hey, we serve a God that got all power in his hand. Lord, I know he got all power. Because there's been times I've been in some rough situations. And you know something? I say to young folk, be very careful that you pay attention to what your mama said. Be very careful, because one of these days it might save your life. Sometimes we get upset. Say, Mom, all you do is, is nag. Well, 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 I wouldn't have said that when I was young. I got the, the fire beat out of me. Mama never didn't play that. That was the way that you talked to old folk. I would probably roll my eyes when I was behind her back. <laughs> but I knew better than open my mouth and say anything stupid. But today our children will say some anything to us. And some people go around just grinning. I said, I look at myself, wait till they get 14 to 15. You won't be grinning. Because they want to be only just saying the word. They be putting their hands upside your head. See, my brothers and my sisters, God gave us common sense. 
He give us common sense so that we will know the right way to do things. Amen. You don't have to be, have a college education to learn how to raise a child. No, you don't. All you got to do is just have love in your heart and willing to teach. Sometimes you have to keep on saying what you're saying over and over again. But you got to be patient. The Lord is patient with us. Because if he wasn't patient, Lord, have mercy. Look back at the Old Testament. You got out of hand, God dealt with you immediately. God had told old prophets. So I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak the words. I want you to speak some words now. You may not understand what they mean. But I want you to speak them. They prophesied. Some said that out of Egypt I will call my son. That's what God had them to say. They had to flee and go to Egypt. Because of Herod. They were afraid that he would kill them and the child. God had older preachers, older pastors to tell us the things that's going to happen in this world today. And my brothers and sisters, if you got the ability to read the word of God and you don't pick it up, you can't blame nobody but yourself. I know Pastor Venice can preach and he do a good job at it. But I've learned that when I read the word of God, God may give me a different thought than what he gave Pastor Venice. And God can take and use his word in you. God will take and show you things that have, have not happened yet. There have been times I was sitting in the house praying, God said, get up. Somebody's coming to your front door. And before I get to the front door, the doorbell rang. But you have to be close to God. You got to be willing to walk with God. You got to turn off the TV. You got to turn off the radio and spend some time with the Lord. When we give God time, God will give us his time. Jesus said, I thirst. My brothers and sisters, the people that were around were thinking that Jesus was thirsting, thirsting for some water. A thirsting for something to drink. My brothers and sisters, there's a lot of different things that you can thirst for. The Bible says that after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. My brothers, I look at this and I see the shape that Jesus is in. And I can imagine Jesus was thinking, I've done what my father sent me to do. And when he said, I thirst, he was saying he thirsted to be with his father. Amen. 
be there in heaven to walk around and to talk with God and to rejoice on street paved with gold. Jesus was rejoicing because it was time for him to leave this mean old world. He had done all that he needed to do, even though he still had work to do when he got back to heaven. He was thirsting to be in the presence of his father. He wanted to hear the voice of God talking to him. He wanted to stand face to face with God. I can imagine he wanted to see, oh Lord, the beauty of heaven. He wanted to hear the harmonious choir singing the beautiful song. He wanted, oh Lord, to see some of those that had died while he was down here on earth and to see them in heaven. Oh, what a rejoicing time. I believe Jesus was thinking about heaven. He thirsted, my brothers and sisters, oh Lord, to see that God's work was done. He thirsted mm-hmm, just to walk with the Lord once again. And he thirsted. Oh, my God, for one of these old days that he was coming back to this world, uh-huh, and coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Yes, one of these old days, my brothers and my sisters, we won't have to thirst anymore because we will be in the hands of the Lord God Almighty. We'll be able to run, oh, Lord, and not get weary. We'll be able to walk and not faint. I'm waiting, oh yes I am, for that day, one of these old days, I'm going to stand before the Lord for myself. Yes, I'm I'm getting tired sometime down here to see all of the crazy stuff going on. We have children and we have grown folk. Uh Uh-huh. Just won't do right, but that's all right. Well, our job is to tell them that we have a God that set high and look low. And one of these old days, you're going to have to stand before him and tell him how you made it over. And my brothers and sisters, the only way we can make it over is by the power of God Almighty. Jesus thirst. Are you thirsty for the word of God? Are you thirsty for drawing closer to God? Are you thirsty for the love of your loved ones, for those that are around you? Sometimes people treat one another like they're not a human being. Sometimes people talk about folk, treat them all kind of way. And they're hungering and thirsting after someone to accept them and to love them. 
and to be there to walk with them and tell them all about the Lord. God bless you and God keep you. We serve a wonderful God. God. Speak upon today is found in the book of John, the 19th chapter, verse 30. That is John, the 19th chapter, verse 30. And it reads in our hearing, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Most kind God, Lord, we just come thanking you for this here opportunity, Lord. And Father, it's not me, but you, Lord. So I pray that everything that I say will bring glory to your holy and your righteous name. For you are so deserving of all glory, all praise, and all honor. For it is in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Amen. It is finished. When I look at the word finished, it means that something is completed. In order for something to be completed, there has to be a starting point. A person just doesn't run a race and ends up at the finish line. They have to start from the beginning to get to the finish line. And we find that Jesus and everything that he has gone through, all the whipping that he took, people lying on him, people spitting upon him, putting a thorny crown even on his head. He did not deserve to die like that, but he had to in order to fulfill the scriptures. Jesus was always about his father's business. There was nothing that Jesus done that was not about the father. He wanted to glorify the father at all costs, no matter what it may have been. So go ahead and spit on him. He was going to take it to fulfill the scriptures. Go ahead and whip him beyond recognition. A whipping that I can't even think or even imagine because he wasn't even recognizable. For you and for me. He didn't have to do it, but he did because he, had, he was going to please the Father. But that's the same way that you and I should be, is about pleasing our Father at all costs. No matter what people may say about us, and they're going to say some things about us, especially when you're standing for righteousness. If you're standing for foolishness, you don't have to worry about a thing. But when you're standing for righteousness, 
it takes you out of that element to where everything's going to be okay because everything down here on this earth will never be okay. Jesus had paid the price on the cross for our sins. He could have no doubt asked the Father to dispatch out the angels and come down from the cross. But then it would not be finished. And he was about finishing what his mission was all about. No matter what the cost was, he was about to finish. I can't imagine if I was a person who was in long jump that I would just go over one hurdle and think that it was finished. There's some hurdles that are in life. Jesus had to go through some hurdles in life. There were some people that were saying all kinds of evil against him. Just because he healed on the Sabbath day, they tried to find some fault in him. These were religious people. But he still had run that race. He still had to cross over those hurdles. We have heard it said already today that, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that he was the man in the middle. When I hear that he was the man in the middle, I look at it as he's the center of my joy. See, this joy that I have, see, the world didn't give it, and they sure enough can't take this joy away because God has been too good to me. See, Jesus died on the cross, and I take a person just for me. So there's some joy. Yes, when I see him and how he was beaten, tears may run down my cheeks, but there's some joy. Because I know that this world is not my home. The same place where Jesus was headed is the same place that I'm headed. You see, I've already got my ticket. I don't know about you, but I pray that you have your ticket. And if you don't have your ticket, let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. Allow him to be the center even of your joy. Sometimes... It's hard to live down here in this world when people want to say all kinds of ugly things about you. When they try to find some fault in something that you didn't even do. Sometimes they said you was at this place and you was never there at all. Just because you say that you're a child of God, they think that you ought to act just like they do. But being that Jesus was able to make it, you can make it. Yes. And I can make it. Yes. He also said, the woman, behold thy son, and come, behold thy mother. He was talking to the disciples to take care of the mother. So Jesus was about taking care of everything down here on earth to make sure that it was finished. Because he couldn't go back to be with the Father until it all was finished down here on earth. Yeah. Surely I say unto you that today you will be with me in paradise. When he was talking to the thieves, 
You know, Reverend Jones, I, I understand what you're saying, that paradise, this is not paradise. No, it's not. Uh -huh. If you think that this is paradise, then you stay down here. I don't know anybody who would say that this is like home down here. This ain't like home. The, the paradise that, 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 that Jesus was going to was back home with the Father. The same place where we ought to have a drive and a thirst to go to. When the sister was singing the song, Oh, how precious is the name of Jesus. I know that in the name of Jesus that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, back then there was people that didn't want to say that Jesus Christ was Lord. They didn't want, they didn't want to admit to that. But Jesus Christ is Lord. And he proved it over and over again. Look at all the miraculous things that he had done. He fed the multitude. He healed the sick. He caused the blind to see. He be a bridge over the troubled waters. He's a doctor. He's a lawyer. He's a friend. Oh, how precious is the name of Jesus. Then my brother was saying that, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? On the cross during that time, when he took all of our sins on that cross, God could not look upon his son because of sin. So he had to turn his back on his only begotten son. The one that he sent down into the world, that the world through him might be saved. He had to turn his back because he could not look at sin. We shouldn't want to look at sin, even ourselves, because God has been too good to us. Then my brother said that I thirst. Jesus was thirsting because he wanted to be back with the Father. He had an opportunity to, because remember, he came from heaven to earth, so he knew what it was all about. So he was thirsting to get back to what he used to have before. But in order to get back there, there were some things that he had to fulfill down here on this here earth. And that was being about the Father's business. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being tired. I listen to my wife sometimes. She has a lot of migraines. She said, you know, baby, I'm just tired of being tired. I'm tired of these things that I have to go through. But then I begin to think about what Jesus went through on the cross. The sufferings that he did on the cross. When I see them sticking a spear into his side and the blood come screaming down. What is it that can wash away my sins? It ain't nothing but the blood of Jesus. But what is it that can make me whole again? It ain't nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's nobody else that can die for me. Jesus died for me. That I would have a right, a right to that tree of life. 
when I think about those words that I've been asked to preach. To me, I look at it and it says, it is That's all right. finished. I actually just really want to start our time off by uh, talking just a few stories. Um, there's one guy, Jimmy Kimmel. He is an uh, American television host. He's a radio host. He's wildly successful. There he is. Um, he hosts the Jimmy Kimmel Live show. Um, actually, early in his career, he was already making $75,000 um, working as a radio host. Someone else had heard about him, and they thought that he was so good that they offered him a raise to come to their job. And um, get this, they were going to offer him $200,000 that was guaranteed for the first year, and then he would get more for each year thereafter. That's an over 100% raise. (laughs) That's uh, pretty impressive. That's how you know you're good at what you do. Um, And then what was really fascinating was, you know, we're in such a divisive time right now, and he had been recognized as one of the most popular late night talk show hosts across dividing lines. People, gay, straight, black, white, Republican, Democrat, everybody watched him because, you know, he stuck to the funny and he was really good at what he did. And he kind of veered away from things that would make him lose ratings and things that would be unpopular. Then he had his second kid. His, this kid was named Billy. And Billy was born with a rare congenital heart disease. And so Jimmy Kimmel ended up spending a lot of time inside of children's hospitals. And what he found was that he got the red carpet treatment. They rolled out stuff. There were rooms that you and I probably don't even know exist in the hospital that he and his family got to go to. And he had the resources to take care of his kid and to make sure that his kid was going to get to see a really long and prosperous life. But then he also would go to like the common places, like the cafeteria, um, where he met some folks. And then he tells the story of a time when he met a family in an elevator. And this family also had um, a kid that had, you know, a really bad disease going on. And they were not as financially fortunate as he was. And, you know, he's meeting these people who are forced to make these decisions as to, like, do we remortgage our house? Do we sell this? What can we do all so that their kid can have a shot at living? And this touched his heart. And he's like, wait a minute. What's going on for the common, everyday person that's not like me? And he started to think about the problems in American health care. And so he made that his platform, and he started to talk about it. He invited doctors on his show. He started to talk about how it's a problem, how everybody should have access to quality care, because no one should have to look at whether or not I put food on the table tonight, or if my son gets to live. That's a choice that nobody gets to make. And you would think everybody could get behind that, but this is right around the time that Obamacare is going around. And so all the Republicans and everyone that supported him and gives some money and he gets a lot of ratings from are saying, well, no, 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 we don't talk about this. We need you to keep it, like, keep it simple, keep it non-political. But what happened was Jimmy was faced with this situation where he got in in contact with like something on the inside that formed a, a conviction, if you will. And he felt strongly about this, and he felt that he had a platform. And so he had an opportunity 
to keep things as it was, keep the ratings, keep the money, keep all those things, or he could start saying some stuff that he felt would be on purpose, use his platform for advocacy, and maybe even lose those people. So today, he's still popular, but you would see that he has half of some of those ratings. He has lost a lot of money, and it's cost him some things to run after purpose. But he made the decision. And then there's a woman called Rhonda Harris. Um, Rhonda Harris, she, she, you might know her. Um, you might not recognize her name. This is a woman who, as a girl, was abused by her father. She's quoted as saying that one time he beat the skin off her back. Um, and if that wasn't enough, she was also abused by her grandmother. She was raped by her uncle. Her brother eventually abandoned her. By the time she was 15, she found herself on a New York City subway on her way to go identify her dead baby's body when she was 15. This is stuff that she had to deal with. As she got older, she learned how to mask that stuff. She got a really good job. She uh, got married. She made the money. Um, but at the core of it, she realized that she was still Rhonda Harris. And she was still very much broken. And there was stuff that she hadn't dealt with. And she came to this point where she realized, one, I have to deal with some stuff for myself. And the life that I'm living is no life at all. And she also felt this call to help other people who maybe were in similar situations like her, but she could never help them as long as she was keeping up this front and never able to tell them the, her story about where she was. So what she did was she distanced herself from all things Rhonda Harris. And she actually told herself, Rhonda, you got to die because you no longer fit in this person that I'm trying to be. We're not going to be wounded anymore. We're not going to allow people to treat us any sort of way anymore. We're going to do something different. She even went as far as renaming herself. She said, Rhonda Harris is no more, and my name is Iyanla. You may know her from Iyanla Fix My Life. And now she's making millions and on a nationally, internationally syndicated platform where she's helping people do their work and you know, kind of get through a lot of life's really, really, really bad crisis. Um, perhaps you know the story of Tyler Perry. He, we know that he is 2000, uh, Forbes 2011 most highest paid man in Hollywood. Um, but you might not know the story of Emmett Perry. How many people have heard of Emmett Perry? Emmett Perry is Tyler Perry. <laughs> Emmett Perry is who Tyler Perry had to get through to become who he was. Emmett Perry is the person that was abused by his father for 16 years. Emmett Perry was the person who finally said, this can't be life, and I refuse to be a victim anymore. And he decided to push through and start something new, but he had to face all of his old stuff, right? He had to distance himself from his dad. He distanced himself from his family. He moved to Atlanta where he knew there was opportunities. He took his life savings. He spent all of his life savings. He ended up just living in a car for a long amount of time, but he did what he knew he was called to do, and ultimately it paid off. He's made millions, this is awesome. We know him as Tyler Perry, we know Medea, we know all of those things, but he had to make a choice at 16. Make a choice that says, I will continue this life, or I will step out and do something totally different. One more for you. Even uh, RuPaul Charles. <laughs> Talk about him on Easter. You know, say what you will about him. This guy 
has a very, very encouraging story and gives talks all around. And I was listening to one that he gave to a university. And he tells this story of how he came from very humble beginnings in neighborhoods that were crime-ridden and, and very much in poverty, and he never thought that he would be successful. But when people looked and, you know, was buying what he's selling, and when opportunity came knocking on his door, and he started making money, and he's starting to go off and model and do films and make music and do different stuff, he tells the story of going back to his neighborhood and how he reached out to those same people that he grew up with. And he said, hey, you might not do the talent, you might not do what I do, but I know you, you can work lights. You can do sets and you're really good with hair so I could bring you and you could do this and you could do hair and makeup. And he was gonna go back to his community, he was gonna grab them and he was gonna bring them back. And he tells the story of how interesting it was that almost everyone that he talked to from that place said no not because they didn't support what he was doing, not because they didn't want a piece of the pie, not because they didn't want any money. They, were, they had this idea of what life was, of what life had always been up to that point. And for them to become something different, for them to go and live and leave this neighborhood, some people never left the projects before. Some people don't know what's outside of that 275 loop. Some people have no idea that there's a whole world out there and they couldn't get themselves to step out of what life was, even when life was death. They refused to lay down the life that they had to grab hold to something new. So I laid there in bed listening to him talk and he said something. He said, so I realized in that moment that the real winners in life are the people who are able to die a thousand deaths and rise to live a thousand more times. And I said, whoa, that'll preach. <laughs> and so I took that line from what RuPaul said and I said, that will preach. So what does Jimmy Kimmel and Yala Van Zandt Tyler Perry and even RuPaul Charles have to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe they all point to what Jesus was trying to get us to understand when he said the words, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. See, we understand that, you know, the stage has already been set by all the six brothers who came before me. You already know that Jesus had been beaten beyond recognition. He had been whipped 39 times. He's carried the cross. He's gone up this hill. He's been nailed there. He's got the crown of thorns on his head. He's dying from asphyxiation. They've given him this nasty vinegar. And now he's at this point where death is pretty much imminent. And one could just think that there is no significance in the words that he says here, that maybe the work is done and he is just giving up the ghost. Maybe the work is done and he's just tired. He's done so much. Maybe the work is done, but I believe that Jesus, when he says these words, points to something that the work is not done, but it is just now getting started. See, Brother Randy said that everything that Jesus did, Jesus did for the will of his Father. Jesus was the best at living on purpose, and he even died on purpose. If I had to title this talk, I'd say it was a beautiful death. It was a beautiful death. It was the most beautiful death I've ever heard of. He culminates his entire life story in these moments of saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. See, you got to understand everything that Jesus did, he did 
on purpose. It was like his life was kind of scripted out and he knew he was privy to understanding I've got to let go of some things if I'm going to grab hold to the purpose in which I've got. You don't believe me? Look at 12-year-old Jesus who could have been off playing football in the back. He could have been playing soccer. He could have been doing all these other things. And I do believe that he was a child and he did childish things. But then there came a moment where he said, I have to let go of the life that I've known as a child. And at 12 years old, finds himself in the temple preaching and teaching the people who are two, three, maybe even four times his age because he had to let go of where he was and step into something new. And then we don't hear from him again until he's in his 30s. And I would say maybe he had some normal teenage years, normal 20s. He maybe built some relationships. He went to work. He came home. He did the normal thing. But there was a time where he had to let go of that life when he was going to step into his ministry. And what did he do? He went to John the Baptist, humbled himself, and he got baptized. What is baptism? It signifies a death that happens of an uh, old self passing away so that you can grab hold to something new. He didn't have to wash away sin, but he did have to let go of this Jesus we hadn't heard of. We did have to let go of this Jesus that just went to work and came home. He had to let go of this normalcy so excuse me, so he can grab hold to the ministry that was. And right after his baptism, we see him walking down the street, just healing people walking down the street, spitting on people's eyes and healing them, telling people you get up and walk, and raising people from the dead, and then sleep out on the boat, and then wake up and say, peace, be still, and doing all this other stuff, and just deciding to walk on the water, just, just making, you know, turning water into wine, just doing all this type of stuff. And then he could have stayed. He could have stayed this wonderful, miracle-working, shoot, you know, lightning out of his fingertips sort of guy. But he, he even laid that life down. And we find all these scriptures where he's being approached by the Pharisees and people who thought they had power. And he's saying these things. He's dropping bread comes that he knows that they're going to pick up. And he's saying things like this temple that's going to be, that's going to go down and it's going to be destroyed. But three days later, it's going to rise again. And then he starts talking stuff like, I know that I've been anointed to preach the gospel because the spirit of the Lord has fallen upon me. And I'm here to do. And he's saying these things that they're going to recognize. And because these were texts that were foreshadowing his coming. And so he's walking the script, but he knows that it's starting to piss some people off. He knows that if he walks into purpose, there's going to be some people who don't like it, and it's going to make for a very uncomfortable life for him. But he lays down the comfortable life. He lays down the Jesus that's just walking on water. He lays down the Jesus that's just healing people left and right. So he can be the Jesus that gets spit on. So he can be the Jesus that has to bear the cross. So he can be the Jesus that has to do the ugly thing. So he can be the Jesus that gets nailed on the cross. And so now we find ourselves where He's telling God one more time, God, into your hands I commit my spirit. I just don't believe that was the first time he said it. I think 12-year-old Jesus said, all right, it's time for me to die to everything that I was now. Into your hands I commit my spirit. I would rather be playing football, but I guess I'll go preach. And then I think 30-year-old Jesus said, I really don't want to deal with these folks. I can keep life the way it is, but Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Let me start 
start doing ministry. And then I see in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, now you want me to do what? You want me to die? You want me to get spit on, Father? And to your hands I commit my spirit and did the thing that he had to do. And then he finds himself on the cross. And he's having a conversation with his father. And he says to him, God, if the purpose is to let people know that death is not the end, then I must experience death. If the purpose is for people to know that death has no authority over me, then let me go to hell and preach my butt off down in the pits of hell. If the purpose of people to know that death is not the end, then give me three days and I'll rise again with all power in my hand. And if the ultimate purpose is for the people to know that death is not their end either, then the same power that I had, I'm going to go ahead and give it freely to them so that they will know that they can deal with anything on this side of glory and death will not rule them. And so what I challenge you is what needs to die in your life so you can say, Father, I trust you with my life. Oh, see, baptism was the start. We, we tell these testimonies of when we got baptized and then we became new and now we're washing our home. I came to tell you that Jesus is calling you to die every single day. There's some stuff in you that's just dead and it smells on you and you just got to be willing to let it go so that you can grab hold to something new. Oh, that relationship, baby, you thought that he was everything, but you know that he treats you so wrong. You just need to let it go so you can grab hold to something new. I know the job let you go and you thought that job was everything and it felt like death but the true winners of the story are the people who say, you know what? My destiny wasn't tied to the job and I'm stepping into a new life because God put something in me that even though I died that death, I will rise again. Oh, you got the medical diagnosis and you were awesome as a whole person. You were awesome as a healed person but now you got to learn how to praise God when it hurts to raise your arm. Now you got to learn how to praise God from the hospital bed. Now you got to learn how to do it. I looked at my Aunt Hattie. I looked at her 97 years old. And I go and I sit with her. And she just sits there singing her hymns and praising God. You got two broken legs and a broken back. What, what are you doing just praising God? You can't even go home. You've been stuck in this nursing home since New Year's and you just singing your hymns. Oh, you got to die to the Hattie that was and show the Lord that he, he can use you no matter where you are. What are you willing to die to? So what Jesus does is he demonstrates the ultimate act of faith. I believe he looks death in its face and he says, here we go, but I know who got me. Father, you got me. So if you say, go through, let's go through. Oh, he's calling you out that neighborhood, but you can't be afraid. You just got to say, Father, you got me. He's calling you to a new job. He's calling you to a new place and it's going to be scary and he's going to challenge you to do some things you've never done before. But you just got to say, Father, 
you got me. He's calling you to change some things. There's some ways of thinking. There's some slave mentality that's still hanging around up there and it's got you in bondage. And he's calling you to a new place and it's going to be scary. But you just got to look at the place and say, Father, you got me. You got me. You got me. So as we prepare to leave this place, I don't want you to think about where you're leaving here physically, but where are you going spiritually? Because he wants to take you from one level of glory to the next level of glory, to the next level of glory, but you'll never get there if you're holding on to the dead stuff. You just say, Father, you got me. So into your hands, I commit my spirit. And if you want to do that, the doors of the church are open for you right now. Maybe you've been dealing with some stuff. Maybe you've never heard this word before. Maybe you didn't know that he's got you in his hands. You maybe thought that maybe Jesus doesn't exist because he's allowing you to go through hell. But I submit to you that maybe he formed you for to be right where you are because he knew that you would still be here and he wants to use you. Just say, Father, you got me. I can't do this by myself. But you got me. If this is you, we got preachers that will pray with you. We got many testimonies in this place that'll tell you where they've been. 